So James. Hello, Mike. I would love to know how you went from Jimbo, the party man at 15, to operating businesses worth 12 million. Um, well, let me just, <laughs> just uh, I don't know if they're worth 12 million. Um, we definitely generate sort of in that number in sales each and every year. But the, uh, basically what I did was I, I was obsessed with entrepreneurship and entertainment and I just fused the two together. Left home when I was sort of 16, 17 years old after my mum died. And um, uh, I had no real choice, really. I had to work. And um, so I. I was obsessed with making people laugh and doing entertainment and stuff. And so I built this family entertainment agency um, over the course of a few years. Um, and then we went into owning venues because I realized I was swapping time for money. Yeah. And I, I'd, I'd reached the ceiling of what I could earn. Um, and so I just went for it. And I had, I think, I think when sometimes you have bad things happen to you, like if you lose someone really close to you when, you, when you're young, actually all the problems just disappear and that happened to me at such a young age i just went for it yeah i had no choice i yeah. had to make money to live because right. i'd left home i was you know on, on my todd really and that, that that makes that 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 makes your mind think properly i think that's something that really really interests me on the when you've got no option you you yeah. kind of force to become successful and i've i always say this in startup businesses where i think part of our success was we had zero investment and no investors. And it was, if this doesn't work, we are fucked. Basically, we have got to make this work. Do you think that is a good position to be in as a Absolutely. startup business? Yeah, I think that's a good thing. And I think then there's this certain set of DNA that successful people have. Like, I, I do completely disagree with this thing that you can learn entrepreneurship. I think if you've got base talent, for entrepreneurship like there's a dna in you like yeah. a talented footballer i think you can get better at it absolutely with some you know you get you know might have an uncle in your family or a great bank manager that gives you great advice or an accountant that gives you great you know there's some mentors around you but there's got to be this drive and i think the word's hunger and i think that was really what drove me and still drives me whilst i'm still hungry i know that things will happen yeah that is the and i've really tried to understand myself is why do i do these things because actually my lifestyle doesn't improve now where it's got a lot bigger whether we buy another venue import open another day nursery uh put on another event or do something it's it's because of this this hunger to create things and then the money is secondary. I genuinely believe great entrepreneurs, really successful people. I mean, I think about Richard Branson, the bloke's approaching 70 and he's now embarking on space tourism. Yeah, he doesn't need to, does he? doesn't, he? you know, no. it's, it, there's a hunger for him to do it. And I think, you know, like with what you, you know, you've sold your business, you've done really well, but you can't stop, can you? You want to do something else. Yeah. I it's think. like a curse, I think. Absolutely. I mean, I think, and I, I tell you that when I was about 26, 27, about 2011 time like everything was a real challenge up until about 2011 it was burning through cash um um and you know we was opening things up we was you know doing big our business was very capital intensive unlike the yeah. one that you've that you set up so like a hundred thousand was nothing half a million is not like now you know you know a million pounds just it, it comes in every month and a million pound goes out every yeah. month some months it's a very stressful situation but i think entrepreneurs thrive on that whereas most people can't stand that yeah. and i've obsessed through my life so 2008 9 10 11 sorry 11 um things got a lot easier for us we bought in some big cash we'd got proper funding come into mm. the business and for the first time, I started to relax and think, yeah, oh, everything's all right now. Then I was really like, shit, I left home. I haven't done any boys' holidays, didn't have like weekends off and all this sort of thing. And it just all come. I had to go and get counselling. Yeah. It was weird. And so I sat down with this counsellor and I was like, you know, I, I really actually, it sort of hit me that I really had a bad childhood. I didn't get on with where I was at there. Um, and I started having this really bad anxiety Every morning I would wake up with anxiety. And the worst thing was, I wouldn't know why. Yeah. It was awful. I don't have a problem with anxiety if you can assign it to a reason. Like, yeah. So if you're in a plane and the 
our captain goes, we're going to crash. I'm like, okay, with that. at least I know <laughs> yeah. why I've got that anxiety, yeah. you know, or um, if, you know, sales are down or the, you know, you've got some cash flow problems or your customer service problems because you're, you know, you've got too many customers. All of those things give me anxiety. If we've let a customer down, like that can get back. I can assign it to a reason and a thought of yeah, why yeah. that's happened. When it did, I mean, I just didn't know why I felt it. And, and I, I, it was just that basically, you know, when they say about heart state, you never get um, a heart state when you're stressed. You have a heart state when you relax. Yeah. That's it. It's a, like a common thing that happens to lots of people, you know. Um, you get ill when you start to relax and you don't, you, you know, you live off adrenaline when you're stressed out and stuff. And I think that's what happened to me for the first time. It's when everything's all right, usually, is when some people really start thinking because you have that brain capacity. Our business is all consumers. Like having a baby, you know, like yeah. everything's on that. And then, you know, like you see this with mums, you know, when their children leave home or dads when their children leave home, like then all of a sudden there's all this spare time, space, and then they go for a divorce. Yeah. And I, I think it's because your mind is given that break to think about actually am I happy in this situation? Um, and, and that's what I think happens to me. I think it's great that men now... Um, feel happy to talk about and that's why i probably talk about it a bit openly because i uh, the more people talk about it the more it's accepted isn't it yeah you know? so what, what made you go then um from having a business that was profitable making money everything you, you said you were sort of a bit more relaxed a bit happy with how the business was to then want to go and do other stuff with entrepreneurs because that's where i come across your stuff your youtube channel all oh, right yeah. so what made you what made you do that because that seems like you're taking on an awful lot yeah well, almost like it's a bit in my mind a bit of a thankless task yeah so, so absolutely so there's a, i think entrepreneurs have a real problem as well is that they use their business to solve their boredom yeah so across the board so whereas you know most people have a hobby business owners use their business as their hobby yeah um it, it solves their boredom and stuff um i, I am at heart an entertainer so, you know, a lot of people, I always say a lot of people have a fear of being on stage. You've got a fear of not being on stage. Yeah. And as I stop becoming a magician, as I've got older, I still do it a bit now for uh, our parks and stuff, but I don't do it to, I mean, I was doing 15 shows a week when I was like 16, 17. Yeah. It was, you know, like I was everywhere. Um, and I don't, well, I, I've got this real love of being on stage. And so someone asked me to go and speak to a lot of kids at a school about they didn't like being at school like they were bunking off and stuff but yeah. they had a real they wanted to own their own business when they left school and so i went and done a talk to them i loved it oh. and i've done some talks at universities got asked oh, i just really, i just fell into the love of public speaking yeah. and i'm like and that i literally love doing it yeah. you an audience of a thousand two thousand business owners and i feel like i can motivate them change their life and they ask me questions like boom that was something I was going to ask you. So do you think then that um, anyone could replicate your success? So do you think it's like you could put out if you follow these? Because I have a real kind of no, strange I I, relationship with uh, uh, sort of like mentors and if you follow these steps, because I get it in some regards. So I've never had one single mentor, but I've definitely had lots of mentors yeah. that you know, I've gone to. None of them have been family as such yeah. but you know i've had great bank managers for example my ian douglas my first bank manager at lloyd's really helped me then dave Orham at barclays corporate and then I, i've moved to another a bank now um a private bank and i've got an amazing bank manager they've all been mini mentors and then i've got a guy called andrew wolf who's got a, a you know a big leisure business he's mentored but you know yeah. but not officially but they've been yeah. there to ask questions and I, but i come back to that original point that we said at the start of the podcast i do think that some people have the ability to manage stress, problems, challenges more than others yeah. and still sleep at night yeah. and others cannot. Yeah. And I think, and I don't think it's for everyone to say, yeah, I'm going to be the leader. I think maybe you're better off to be a manager or a yeah. supervisor or, you know, like some people, you know, like I, I speak, you speak to, you know, Doris that works in Sainsbury's that just wants to work on a checkout 16 hours a week just to be part of a community. And that's fine, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, I don't have a... Well, I get sometimes, when I say this to people, that sometimes it is better to stay in a really well-paid job because I don't think they associate the other Absolutely, the downsides. Yeah. I've changed my view on that, though. I have you gone. In the, probably in the last three years, I agree with that now. If you'd have asked the 21, 22-year-old me... Yeah. I would have said, no, you need to be a business owner. You need to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, well, I, I would say that's a similar kind of problem. It's just life, isn't it? I suppose you yeah, go through yeah. things. And 
but oh you're shitting on people's dreams that's what people say a lot of the things that i talk about now but it's like it's not shitting on dreams you're probably not going to achieve the dream that you're being yeah. sold you know you've seen the entrepreneur stuff say like on your instagram ads you're not going to be making a million pounds a year from a 97 dollar forex trading course so don't no. quit your day job yeah and yeah. think that's going to happen no, but absolutely but even just running a business like you, you said in some of the stats yeah you, you, you're probably going to fail at that Oh, I mean, there's varying stats, but they're, they're they're similar within sort of ten or twenty percent. Whether you go on the government websites or some other, but you know, fifty percent of business fail within the first two years, eighty percent within five years, and four percent make it past ten years. It's old. hard, isn't it? So just making people aware of that, yeah. and that's where I have a bit of a problem with um, anybody that's selling a kind of cut and paste. Follow these sixty steps, and you can become but, a millionaire business owner. It's but my, most of those people don't have the hunger really for it yeah. to stay at it if they're whether buying that course would you say they've not got the hunger because they're looking for that shortcut whether it's a that. course or setting up a business yeah whatever it is yeah. um that most people don't have the the resilience and the persistence to keep going and i think this is my favorite steve Jobs saying he said the reason most people don't succeed is because they're sane yeah and yeah there's a good youtube clip of him being interviewed and i always reference here yeah. and it always scares me because i think He's talking to me saying I'm insane for carrying on. And yeah. And that's that there is a bit of insanity to say. I'd say that. Yeah. But I think us in our last business, we we're all a little bit unhinged in many ways. I knew we were going to sell that business for the figures that we wanted, that we set the business up to sell it for that. But when I look back and now explain that to other people, because I've been asked uh, not to mentor in a sort of official capacity, like you were saying, or like paid for, but people ask me business questions and when i explain like oh no we just backward planned the business and we had this idea we it's like oh we always knew we were going to do that nothing's going to stop us achieving this goal but i've seen so many people in business that don't seem to have that kind of hunger and they inevitably are more likely to yeah. fail i would say and there's also a very different correlation to how entrepreneurial people think so and how i call it sort of a entrepreneurial dna and a management dna and then a, yeah you know then there's another set of DNA, which would be uh, uh, technician-style DNA. So those three key sets of DNA, whereas an entrepreneur might get a million pounds and l literally think, yeah, I'm going to go and buy, I mean, this is a story I tell, I'll go and buy four warehouses and then have £400,000 of rent, call a million-pound deposit on each one, yeah. I get the bank to bring into that. Whereas a management DNA might go, well, actually, why don't I just buy you know, one warehouse rent it out and have a hundred thousand and no debt and I have a hundred thousand forever. Yeah. And that's safe. And then the technician would be like, I don't want to manage a million pounds. Yeah. So, so that's my fiance would never borrow any money ever. Whereas I have an appetite to borrow money to reinvest and keep going. Yeah. And it, and I can sleep at night knowing that I've signed, I mean, I've probably got personal guarantees out for debt of close to 7 million quid at the moment yeah. across property and business stuff. Like she just, could not accept that yeah at all and that's but i don't i can just carry on knowing that well there's other people that wouldn't be able to sleep if they had that money sat in their bank account and it wasn't leveraged. yeah i would have a problem with that yeah i wouldn't be able to sleep knowing that the cash isn't working hard yeah yeah so on the mentoring then let's get into that a bit more i'm guessing there's someone that offers mentoring to entrepreneurs and stuff yeah um you think you can help and grow most people's businesses and stuff like that the best mentors i've had have sort of done it for free Give me sort of unbiased opinion. Like one of my mentors actually hates this Mike Winter stuff. <coughs> he thinks it's absolute bullshit. Why am I wasting my time doing it? Just go back to real yeah. business and just do something proper. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I would feel about paying for it. So I would say if someone was looking for a mentor, what criteria would you say they should look for? Is it they have to achieve well, in that? Or? The type of mentoring that I do is for a very small handful of businesses. The most I've ever helped at any one time is 10 on a one-to-one -one basis. Um, and I see it as non-exec, yeah, which is very, very different to yeah. mentorship. I cannot, and coaching, I'm, I'm not keen on working with people that need to be told to do something. It's to tell them, strategic structures yeah like if you invest that into there or speak to that bank manager or why don't we finance it like that i, I know a specialist accountant that could help yeah. you with that um speak to that solicitor about that so a non-exec role i think is fantastic for businesses yeah. and i tend to use my bank manager as that non-exec role and i think all businesses should have an element of non-exec stuff it's one of the 
best things that small businesses can get from Sainsbury's that can get from a FTSE 500 yeah, company. Yeah. They have an element of non-execs that are usually retired business owners, retired directors yeah. that can say, well, you know, this is what's happened before. What do you think about this? Very different to having, you know, um, a successful business. Then I think there should be an element of free mentorship that successful people do all the time. And I think my videos, my podcast is the free stuff to help people. Yeah. Um, if I was going to do mentoring, that was something that we did because we do get asked a few questions. I always think there's got to be a limit on that. And I would have said the limit was 10. I don't think you could really mentor and benefit more than 10 people. Give them a proper decent yeah. service. But you see some of and these Facebook groups do thousands. I, you know. I, found, I find it really hard um, because I go to their businesses. Um, they can call and text me whenever they like. Yeah. Really, but you'd be getting emotionally involved in these people. You know, I go make sure we are putting board meetings in place. It's it's a very different to just doing online mentorship, which I don't think works like doing proper non-exec I work. agree with that. Um, I agree with that. So now I, um, I've got four now that I work with um, and I won't take any more on unless I really like them and I think, yeah, I can really help you. But also you've got a real business that yeah. you need to focus on as well. Yeah, so. absolutely. I'd, I'd much rather go and speak at a conference, you know, that, that and get paid to speak. That is, that's the thing that I love doing. Yeah. You know, I get turned up, do a couple of hours, inspire hundreds of people, sometimes thousands of people in a room, um, you know, use a couple of flip charts, really tell them some great stuff and then, and, and then go. <laughs> um, this is one thing I would say, if I was getting a uh, personal trainer at a gym, yeah. I would pick someone that was sort of in the shape that I would want to be in. So would you yeah. say that would be similar to business? I've got a personal trainer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, oh, I, wish, I wish I was in his shape, but no. Let's say with a personal trainer, though, and I, I kind of get how but a that's diet like plan coaching. and training would work. That is like coaching yeah. more than mentorship. So when I think you think of mentorship, I would be thinking of someone that's been there and done it, that's more like a non-exec role. Yeah. And coaching's like, say, look, you should be doing this, you should be doing, you know, get up and do it. You know, like like a sergeant, major drill sergeant. Yeah. That's more like what coaching is because some people are unmotivated yeah. and they need coaching to be motivated. Um, uh, uh, and whereas the men the mentorship will be, look, this is what I've done before. You're helping and this motivated will work. people. Yeah, and this would help, this would be the strategies and tactics that I would do. Yeah. It would be more in a, advisory role and a coach will be making you do it the thing that pisses me off the most is the 20 year old life coach you know you see them now the birth of yeah, them it's like what can you what can you teach people it's yeah i don't i have a problem with some of those things you yeah. know I'm a, I, I don't really like helping startups and solopreneurs i'm quite yeah. strict on that when you know i much prefer people that employ people that have got quarter of a million pounds plus of revenue yeah. that are paying VAT that, that watch and consume my content. They're my ideal audience, but it's a real tiny why, why audience. Why is that? Mike. Is that because you feel like that they've already passed some certain criteria? I think I overwhelm solopreneurs. If you watch some of my content, yeah. I'm talking about average customer value. Uh, I'm talking yeah. about, you know, you need to, you know, it'd be aspire to employ your own accountant one day yeah. so that you've got really good finance. And this is like, I don't know, most, most business owners do not want to employ anyone. I just make picture frames on Instagram. I don't yeah. need to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And they just want a little lifestyle business, bit of pocket yeah. money, um, and and they haven't got the mindset because there's this big barrier of employing people. Yeah. I, when I meet people, if they say oh, I've got a VA, and and I've I've already worked out that they are people that are trying to suppress their success, if you yeah. like, because I believe to build something great, you need to employ people. Yeah. You can't do everything yourself, and lots of people have a problem with that. And I'm, then I'm not for them. Am do you I? think a lot of people then create a job for themselves rather than a business? Yeah, I, one of my big phrases is you're creating a profitable job, yeah, rather than a profitable business. Now, if you are going to do that profitable job because that's as much as your mindset's allowing you to go to, you should invest fifty percent of your income into stocks and shares of big safe companies. Yeah. Google's, Facebook's, let them work for 10 years and then that'll make you some money, hopefully based yeah. on 300 years of science yeah, yeah. or property. And yeah. that's going to be your wealth for retirement because yeah. lots of business owners that have built profitable jobs um, that you know might be bringing in 50 to 100,000 pounds a year, when they come to retire at 65, yeah. they've not invested into pensions yeah. or done anything like that. And then they're in trouble yeah. because employees usually get 
that looked after by the employer. Yeah. And I do have a, I really panic about those people because they're not thinking about it now and 30 years will turn up and they'll be in trouble. That was one of the biggest things that we did when we built our business. We built that business to sell. So as we weren't sure of what terms we'd get for the buyout, yeah. we replaced ourselves in the business. So if we did have to sell, um, yeah. we weren't part of the, the deal. So we didn't have to work for two years, three years, boys. So we, we walked away from the business. We got the money and walked on the Monday. That's one thing I think a lot of people don't do. It's like you are now the busiest employee in your own business. You take yeah. everything on. They don't even um, delegate tasks that they can't no. do or focus on the bits that you know, well, bring revenue in. Loads, Mike. There's loads of small business owners that are what I call ultimate control freaks yeah. that over everything and they do not want to delegate. Big difference between people that are very entrepreneurial is they cannot wait to employ people. Yeah. Like, so I, as soon as I was, the first person I employed was a cleaner. Yeah. So I moved out. I started cleaning. I was like, this is, I could make more money doing the sales and marketing. It wasn't like, like I made that decision and then three seconds later, I found a cleaner. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, the, but most people would be like, "Well, I need to get two years' salary in the bank before I pay anyone." Yeah, you know, before I employ anyone. Sorry, and I have a real problem. Like, I, I just don't think like that. Some people would look there and go, "Oh, their salary is twenty grand," and they think that was a twenty grand decision. When really, yeah. you, you might need to keep them for two months. Yeah. I always think of it, think of it as a monthly payment rather yeah. than a. Absolutely, but that, but sometimes you can't teach that stuff. Yeah. Like that's ingrained into you. Like some, yeah, that's logic. Like, yeah. To me, that's that's yeah, not that's even right. a real thing that yeah, you need yeah, to learn. Yeah. That's just that's Absolutely. obvious. It, like, there's it, and there. exactly the same as where also making like, decisions quick. You went and phoned a cleaner in yeah, three seconds because yeah. you don't know if it's a good decision or a bad decision until no, you can do I, it. I look at so, so going back to my fiance Nats, like who isn't the cleaner? No, she's cleaner? not. No, no. but we just think so differently about stuff. Like, like I don't. I don't see, oh, I just can't think, you know, like I don't want to get her in trouble on the pot, but you know, we'll cut this bit out. <laughs> we'll let it out. No, no, I just like, she would see something that's a problem that I just can't work out as a problem. Yeah. But you know, that's why we work, I suppose, at the same time, you know. So if you are a control freak then, what would be your advice or what would be the process to start letting go? So, so number one, you got to work out and understand that you are the problem the business owner usually is the biggest problem in that situation um and you need to understand and try and really assess yourself um on that situation the the biggest formula that we use that we've simplified this is called e plus m equals s so it's entrepreneurship plus management equals success the entrepreneur usually makes for useless management but has these great leadership traits, can roll the dice, take the risk, um, and can have foresight what the future looks like. Yeah. In my opinion, you cannot do both. You cannot be really good say, look, in 10 years' time, this is going to be happening. In six months' time, this is going to be happening. And then manage the day-to-day -day really well yeah. and do all that anal detail. The thing is, for me, I actually love detail. I love organisation. I love cleanliness. I just don't want to implement any of it. Yeah. So that's good for me, and I understand that. How do you work that out if you are a control freak? Well, you need to make sure that you've got honest people around you that you will listen to, that will tell okay. you, and take their advice on board. But most people don't want to open up and get someone honest around them, so you're being a dickhead here and don't do that. There's a thing in Warrington called uh, the board you can't afford, and it's just basically a group of people that sort of are in business that you can kind of soundboard your ideas to and stuff. Yeah, that's, that's great. quite good for. That's that's best. why non-exec is so yeah, important. Yeah, yeah. See, 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 that is where non-exec stuff comes in too. But you need to. That I've all, I've always said this. You know, we made a really good video that went out, um, and when I went and spoke in a college and a university, and there was these kids that was all interested in entrepreneurship, and I said, look. Usually when you ask the world for help, help will come. Mm -hmm. And I told this great little story about um, this bloke and he wanted to, um, I'll tell it now because it's great. Basically, it was back in the 70s and he was building computers and he wanted to build this computer. So he rang up this bloke called Mr. Hewlett. Oh, uh, yeah. Have you, have you yeah, seen yeah. it? And he said, look, I want to I want to build this computer. Um, I'll come work for free for you um, if you can give me some old parts. And he gave him a full-time job. It was Hewlett Packard. The bloke was Steve Jobs. And he asked for help. Where yeah. And he picked up the phone. And I find that most really successful people will do that that call and actually ask the world for help, whether it be send that email, knock on that door to that yeah. person and say, hey, how can we make this happen? Whereas most people think the answer is always going to be no. And, and probably the answer will be no. But if you knock on 20 doors, one will open. And that's how I always think about things. That was always my approach to sales as well. Yeah. Like, what's the worst they're going to say to you? It's no. So they might yeah. say yes. 
So just yeah. ask. Finance is something I wanted to ask you about uh, and growing your business. Now, I've only ever been in business where I use my own cash, no yeah. investors. And now you look at all these sort of like crowdfunding and queue funding for business and stuff. Do you think it would be better to start your business with your own cash or get your business funded? Completely depends on the type of business. Yeah. So if you said to me, Mike, I'm going to open, oh, sorry, James, I'm going to open a 500 bedroom hotel. How are you going to do that with yeah, your own money? Yeah, you're not going to fund that with your own money. You're not going to do that. So when I started my entertainment agency, we'd done that with completely no money yeah. because it was just blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. Then we started an events business where we hired out equipment. We self-financed all buying that equipment through the profits of the business. When we went to open our first family entertainment centre, we needed 700 grand. I was 20 years old, so I borrowed it from 21 different people at horrific rates of interest. Yeah. Um, We've bought, you know, last year we bought a big freehold property in Ipswich, you know, like, you know, th that was a million quid day out. You know, we buy stuff all the time. So you need to use your own cash to reinvest. We're a capital intensive business. Yeah. You know, like a play area could, you know, be 300 grand's worth of play I frame. was talking about this. My uncles have got, um, my uncles, my uncle and my cousin, like father, son business, they've got two soft plays in Warrington and Widness. And they told me it is unbelievable how much it costs to get them off the ground, your insurances, the yeah, equipment. Yeah, it's tough business. Um, you know, but they're, they're, uh, for us, they're, what they do is they generate most customers to fill our day nursery. So we put a day nursery next to each one. Yeah, um, oh, clever idea. So, yeah. you know, like if you think of it, Google, their most customer is searchers, not paying very much or for free, yeah. but then they can sell email storage and, you know, Google Play yeah, and yeah. Android phones. You know, they have all these ideal customers that happen because of their most customers, which are Google searchers for free. <laughs> and so, now we didn't intend, we didn't start the business. I wasn't super smart when I was 20 and yeah. we all said, oh, this is, we, we wanted that business to be yeah. profitable. Now, you know, if we turn you know, half a million pounds out of a play area will make £50,000 worth of profit, which is not a lot of money. Yeah. You know, people think, God, why, why are you doing all this? When we add on a day nursery, we can turn that into each venue making between 150000 and quarter of a million pounds worth of EBITDA or contribution to yeah. our head office. So that, we evolved the business because really the, 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 the model that we started with was one that is a business that's probably better to be owner-managed. Yeah. Some businesses are just better. We went to a fantastic coffee shop this morning before we came to see you today, like, and it was oozing of excellence because it was owner managed. Yeah, you could never replicate it fifty times. You know, they, yeah. they were just, you know, there was chalkboard writing. The staff were not in uniforms, but it all worked. You yeah. know, um, and and that was because it was owner managed. Um, and and I think you need to understand that that if you're going to be an owner managed business and you're not capital intensive, then yeah, you would use all your own money. But if you have aspirations of, you know, like what we did, like to open farm parks, zoos, yeah. visitor attractions, you know, like we, we could put in one piece of equipment that would be half a million quid. Yeah. You know, like we're buying, you know, ovens and furniture and, you know, it never stops. Yeah. yeah. So when you're looking to grow your business then, do you look at um, strategic acquisitions and so you'd look at something, what complements are existing? So, so we're a bit more opportunity led rather than strategic yeah. but when that opportunity comes to us it has to fit a certain set of criteria so you know good population um uh, can we add a day nursery to it is there a chance of residual income so we put direct debit membership into all of our venues so that you yeah. come as much as you like all of those things you know is there enough parking you know demographics are really not the wealth of an area just the number of chimney pots in an yeah. area so we have all of these things um that, that's right can we buy the freehold of that property that we're going to be a tenant of that that's a massive plus yeah, yeah. for us um so yeah, we look at all those things or is there a chance of that to happen in the future you know and can we add value can we fold it into existing empire yeah you know are those so we get sent businesses that are going bust or failing all the time yeah and we just have to assess if that's the right one i've seen uh, as well and, and my management team like because they're going to manage it so aaron has said at the back today like really he would be the decision maker to say yeah we can take this on so if i wanted to do it I know I'm not going to manage it day to day. Yeah. So I don't want to be some like dictator saying we're going to do this and then not have everyone behind us. Does Aaron have to rein you in a little bit sometimes? We, we pretty much agree on all of the strategy. I did ask him about one the other week. Yeah, we, there was one in Reading that was 
the other week. It's probably about four months ago now. <laughs> um, and and he said, no, I don't think we should do that at that time because we was doing some other investments and it would have just stretched just a bit too much. Yeah. So if he says no, then that's it. It's just dropped. Do you think, that, like you said there, you were doing other things at the time. Do you think focusing on one thing again, up and running properly and working properly is essential for the success of a business rather than well, trying? I think it is, is 100% the right thing to do is whether entrepreneurs do it or not. Yeah. Is I mean, if you look at our mix of business, and we have got day nurseries, indoor play centres, yeah. water park, farm park, and we make a lot of teddy bears. Yeah. Now, they all do fold into existing empires, like our teddy bears that we make, we sell in all of our venues, um, and we sell to other leisure businesses. Yeah. Um, the thing that is the sort of thing that sticks out a bit is the stuff that I do, the entrepreneurship stuff. Yeah. But actually, my personal brand, this stuff here has helped me find huge opportunities when leisure businesses go for sale. So we went to see this zoo the other day that we want to buy. As soon as I walked in, the guy knew me, he'd seen me speak at a conference. Like, yeah. that is really powerful. Like, And when um, a shopping centre chain that had nine venues wanted us to put in um, indoor play centres and nurseries, they'd seen my content on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and it attracts great people to come and work for you. Um and, it, you know, any money that I make from that, I invest back into Party Man because it's yeah. actually very highly profitable doing speaking and uh, conferences and, and stuff. And I enjoy doing it. So that's, that's the other thing. That's the bit I've struggled with um, doing the sort of visible social media, Mike, when it's stuff. Um, we always had a decent crowd on LinkedIn, but that's grown quite a lot and stuff and doing the YouTube stuff. At the moment, there is nowhere to use that kind of platform because we've not got anything that, you know, a profitable business or anything in the background. But it's interesting you saying that, that it's actually opened up other opportunities for you. I've not seen that yet myself, but it's well, I something think, uh, that I'm, I'm When, when you come will. to employ people, if you've got a big personal brand, you will in attract the best talent that are already indoctrinated into your style. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think Steve Jobs, big personal brand, the best computer programmers wanted to go and work for him. So then so say, say Gary Vee then, because he's someone that probably polarizes opinion a lot on um, social media and in the comments on YouTube and stuff like that. Would you say that's the reason why he pushes his personal brand so much because it just opens up so many more opportunities to him on the yeah. business side and that's where he's going to make his money? Absolutely, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think no one realises that when you build a personal brand, when you write books and stuff like that, that you're going to attract great people to come work for you. Yeah. Judders, who makes all my videos, saw me speak. Yeah. yeah. He's one of our best employees and most talented people. You know, we haven't, like, to go through a recruitment process to find someone like that. Yeah. It's, it's like striking gold. It's actually, so I never realised that it would attract opportunities and business for us yeah, and attract employees for us um, and attract us to acquire businesses and us be the first person that people call yeah. in our industry. I really want to do it because I love public speaking. I suppose as well, they know what they're going to get as well. It's not like, you know, if you yeah. do go to a job interview and you don't really Absolutely, know your manager, yeah. but they know, Absolutely. well, this is that type of person. That's yeah. what I'm going to let myself yeah, in yeah. for. Yes, that's interesting. I've never even thought of it like that. So it's really powerful yeah. like, to attract great people because, you know, if you get, you know, four or five great stars, like, so Gary Vee, like, if he needs a videographer, like, that videographer has seen 500 videos and know exactly what that man wants yeah. and what he's going to demand, like, that makes his job a lot easier in that interview process, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, both ways. Because when you, when you come to in, when you come to employ people, and yeah, we've got over four hundred employees. Like I've always said to people, don't think you're on a selection process. Think you're on a deselection process. Yeah. both ways, both ways, and this is absolutely crucial. They should be able to deselect working for you as much as you being able yeah, to deselect that they don't want to. And actually, that's better for both parties because you don't want to employ someone. Then six months in, you go, this person really don't fit our culture, doesn't yeah. fit our business. So the deselection thing is the mindset that you have to have when it comes to employing people. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great advice, especially in a startup as well. Um, I actually got in a bit of trouble for posting this on LinkedIn. I said that when you're a startup, you want your workforce to be as uh, least, less diverse as possible. You want people to pretty much think the same as you. To start with, because it can be difficult. Different abilities, but think the same culture. Yeah. That, that, that's, yeah, yeah. that's where people get confused. So you want to have a, a, a complete range of skill sets, but the same morals. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And that's what I think when it comes to personal relationships. It's hard at the yeah. beginning, especially yeah. at the beginning when it's yeah. chaos. It's hard for yeah. if you've got all different kind of yeah. morals and views yeah. and values and that's stuff. It's right. very difficult to manage, I found personally. Yeah, yeah, that, I, I, absolutely. Most people, you know, especially when I started out, like this person um, is confident um, that they, they probably get sales over the line, but they're terribly unorganized. 
um, and that they can make the impossible happen. But you know, that, that I'm looking at me. Yeah. I want to employ another me. Whereas as my career progressed, I'm like looking at yeah, I want them to have the same morals yeah. in business as me, but I want them to have opposing skill sets. And when it comes to employment, we always say, look, you know, we want attitude over skill set. We want naturally happy, hardworking people. Yeah. Because we have really employed people that have had fantastic skill. When we've acquired businesses, especially, I'm thinking of someone right now, I don't want to say their name, but we acquired this business and this person had a fantastic skill set, but the most terrible attitude. Yeah. But you can often, like, <laughs> hopefully he's not managed to <laughs> Yeah, you can really get attracted to a skill set, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but I understand, like, if you're going to re recruit, a, you know, an accountant, yeah. they've got to have the skill sets. You yeah. can't just choose that on attitude alone because yeah. you obviously the business needs the skill set. But, you, you know, attitude must trump the skill set because eventually you'll just get rid of them anyway yeah. if they don't fall in the attitude and culture of the business or they get rid of themselves. Yeah, change the subject now. So um, if I was a small business... Yeah. How would I go about raising finance? So what's like the easiest way? So I'm thinking of setting up a business. How would I raise finance? What's the first thing I'd do? So if you're, if you're setting up a business from start now, I always tell business owners, think about being in the experienced business so that you have margin. Yeah. So now here's the thing that most small businesses don't do. They, they, they deliver an experience, but without margin. So then when they want to come away from the business, yeah. and this is what I did, when they want to come away from the business because they want some time off because they've burnt themselves out after two years of real hard graft, they can't afford to employ people because they've been giving people an experienced Disney Apple service without charging for it. Yeah. And then they can't reach, it takes them a while to retrain their customers by price rises that this is the thing to do. When most people start out in business, they discount to get market share. Yeah. Now that does work, but you need to get your prices up as soon as you can yeah. so that you're planning that when you want to employ a manager and operations, the reason people don't employ people, they, they look at the business and they think, oh my God, well, I'm going to be earning nothing. Yeah. Now that becomes really difficult when you go to raise finance. So if you've got a business that has strong GPs, strong margins, then it's always easier to raise finance. Yeah. If you're like most businesses, and this is, you know, you look at even big businesses, Tesco's haulage, they're like working to between one and 5% of net profit. Yeah. You need to make sure that that's as high as possible so that there's room to employ people and room to service debt. I've found that financing businesses that have really low gross profit, low margin, yeah. are the hardest ones to finance because there's a slither of profit there. And if something goes wrong, then the financiers are in trouble. Yeah. So, and something will always go wrong. You know, you can, you know, lose. Here's the other thing that I always do. Never make sure that one of your clients is more than 10% of your turnover. Yeah. That is a, a big problem for people when they go into yeah, race finance. Disappear. They won't tell you that. Yeah. They'll just say, oh, can you have another six months, nine months? But usually banks hate, finances hate if 70% of your work comes from one big contract. Yeah. Because if that goes, then they're not going to get their money back. So if you do get a big contract, oh, I said a big, great, sign that contract up. But now you need to go and find one or three or four as equally as big. So that if you lose them because you've got a change of FD or a change yeah. in board direction and you've lost that, you know, I work with a cleaning company that, you know, that, that they, they run they, for a council, they've cleaned all the schools and then the council had a change of chief exec or a change on the board you know and they lost that, that one person changed that was 80 percent of their turnover yeah. and and that happens all the time That's why acquisition so important isn't it yeah the last points on raising finance as well is, is you need to be able to produce monthly management accounts yeah never be the business owner that tell that you have to say to your accountant I'll, I'll know how much money i've made when my accountant has sorted it out you should always be in a position to tell your accountant how much money you've made and then your accountant make it tax efficient. Yeah. Most people use their accountants as bookkeepers. And one of the smartest things that I tell business owners that they should do is employ a bookkeeper ASAP. They will cost you between 15 and 35 pounds an hour, depending on where you are in the country. Those people will start teaching you about basic accounting and cash flow way more than your accountant yeah. because your accountant is so busy they're usually not doing anything for your accounts they're giving it to bookkeepers that they employ yeah. and charging you 300 pound an hour yeah. for the privilege of it so you and might as well talk to us about our accountants <laughs> so you need to as soon as you can get that bookkeeper to come to you and then use that as you know we'll talk about mentorship and training yeah bookkeepers have taught me more about you know uh, organizing a set of management accounts and understanding what they are management accounts 
are the best things that business owners don't. I mean, we didn't put them in place until we was well over a million pounds worth of turnover. Yeah. I was like 20. I just, I think if I understood about average customer value, labor to turnover ratio, management accounts when I was 21, if someone had shown me that, Back then, I think we'd probably be double the size we are now. Yeah. I didn't pick that stuff up until five, six, seven years later. Do you think it's stuff that we're talking about now and some of the language that we're using and stuff probably scares a lot of people yeah. off starting a business? I think why, that's why I overwhelm startups and so on. But I, that's why I come back to that. Like, If this does sound overwhelming, you don't want to learn it. Maybe the answer is you just have a little lifestyle business you put as much cash out and put it into safer bigger businesses that are going to do this for you or property or you become a really if you've got some drive and dna become the most senior person that you can within an organization i think people have always wanted um immediate returns and the riches straight away or do you think it's just more prevalent now because of social media like people can't even wait for the skip ads button on a six second video it's like everyone wants everything instantly this answers your question i always think about this boris boris bikes in london or i think they're called santander bikes now like no one would have understood the concept to rent a bike for a day 30 40 years ago they would have like what a waste of money but because that's easier for people than trundling with your bike and you can just put it there and you pay a couple of quid it's just the world changes all the time. People want instant gratification. I absolutely get that. But wealth, there's always the unicorns, and that's the problem. Yeah. People put the unicorns on a mantelpiece and say, look, this person's done it. But they're not the rule. They're the exceptions. Yeah, the exception. yeah, yeah I say this. And that's the big difference. And, and, and that, that, that is what... We're finding out with our investments. All the investments that we're doing as part of, like, we, we call it the Get Rich or uh, Die Buying series that we're doing. The ones, that's great. the ones that seem to be working are the less sexy, no immediate promises of returns or yeah, wealth. Yeah. It's like, and you're looking at 10, 15, 20 strategies. That's where the stocks and shares, like you said about. Yeah. So that's where we've put most you, of our money and that's given us but, a, a consistent small return. But the thing is we might, so like you talk about property, property or well. stocks and shares, those two things. If you read 10 books on property and stocks and shares via not reading 10 books on stocks, you're going to make better investments. So going to some seminars um, on property and stocks and shares will make you make your money go further. My initial thing into property was I bought a house where I lived. I lived in Brentwood. So my first house was in Brentwood in Essex where Tau is made. I bought that. Yeah, it's done all right for me. It was a a four-bedroom mock georgian townhouse that was the first property i bought but from a return on investment point of view at the time and return of cash flow and rent it was a terrible decision yeah. i should have bought five houses in manchester that would have made me much more cash flow yeah. i didn't understand all that stuff and still i started going to seminars on property and reading books on property so i do think that getting base education is going to make you so much better and that's yeah. what that's why i say get a bookkeeper as soon as possible because they teach you so much yeah. stuff for 20 30 pounds an hour i think if you're looking for the answer from one source as well and you think that one book's going to change your life or yeah. one seminar is yeah. going to change up or one guru to go and get information yeah, i think yeah. that is a dangerous thing to be doing yep yeah, and yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So say about that house there, this is my opinion. Like you could have gone to a property event, property event, property event, property event, but eventually you've got to buy a property and work out whether it's a good decision or a Because I've made some but, bad property but, investments. But Mike, there's a, the difference is now, like choosing vets, there is Audible yeah. and YouTube yeah. and LinkedIn that you can sort of stress test people and see if you like them before you go to their events. Yeah. But yeah. Th- that's what you need to do. Yeah. You need to, you know, if they've, you know, one of the things I go into school, I always say this, you know, I always see kids wearing Nike. I go, look, hey guys, I've got this little secret. I want to tell you how you can spend six hours with a billionaire for practically free. I've worked out how to do it. And they'll go, yeah, I really want to know. And I go, you go on this website called Amazon and you buy this book called Shoe Dog. And the guy that is the fifth richest man in America tells you how he done it. Yeah. And do you know the thing is, they don't know that. Yeah. It's like they're not taught that stuff at school, but actually that book, you know, like the Shoe Dog. Have you read Shoe Dog? No, a I know the book. It yeah. is a fantastic book of how a man literally struggled for so many years to build. Not like Mikey was turning millions and millions yeah. of pounds and not making any money, and it just the, there was a tipping point and it just went wild. But you know, he talks exactly how to do that. You know, that is a great fifteen pound investment. Yeah, like fantastic. Yeah. You know, but most people don't realise that 
in entrepreneurship. And I didn't realize, I didn't know any seminars existed. How I found out about this seminar world was I watched the film Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And I was like, this guy, he's doing, he's now making money doing seminars. This yeah. Jordan Belfort. Like, what is this? I've never even heard of this. Then but you were already work, you were already in, in your businesses at this point. You yeah, already, yeah, way into it. But I'd never heard of any of this stuff, Mike. We say this, I'd never heard of, and this isn't very similar. I'd never heard of Grant Cardone or Gary Vee or any of these business gurus until yeah. after I'd sold my business. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, all this stuff's out there. Yeah, yeah. But it was like, because I was and too was focused before, on actually though. doing... Yeah, no, it, it was. was. like the Jim Rohn. I don't know if you know Jim Rohn. Yeah, yeah. Tony Robbins worked for Jim Rohn. It was Tony Robbins. I didn't know Tony Robbins was until... Yeah, I no, I didn't know any of these people. You know... Um, I was too busy doing the thing yeah. than rather sitting there for four, five, six, seven... Because at some yeah. point, you've got to go and actually stop but motivating like, yourself and go and do it. But or those don't people, do it. like... You know, the ones that put out loads of content for free, like Gary, Grant Cardone, Gary Vee, there is stuff that you can pick up and learn from those yeah, guys. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And I, I think there's stuff that you can pick up and learn from watching the 400 videos that we've made. Um, and you need to spend time doing this stuff, listening to podcasts. It's, it's a great thing to do, you know. Yeah. And and I'm sure that there are Do you think people don't want to go through it, though? So say if there's a, a two-hour podcast, they want to be told, tell me in 10 seconds how I become a millionaire, rather than let me go and pick that. So I might buy a book. If I pay £10 for a book, and there's just two things in that book that improves our business or my view on things, I see that as a good investment. Well, I, let me tell you, you know what I mean? on, on YouTube, we, we study our analytics and we changed everything. So we was getting a huge drop off on the beginning of our videos yeah. because we was, you know, trying to entertain people in the beginning that didn't know us. So we'd yeah. be like, hey, you know, this is making people like, you know, the, the natural entertainer yeah, would, be, yeah. would do. So we then changed it. In this video, we're going to tell you five ways to grow your business using LinkedIn. The watch time massively increased from like 25% to up to 65% Yeah, because we told people the pain we was going to solve them in the beginning. Yeah. Once they know you, it's very different. You know, once yeah. you've, you know, you know, you've got a, re they recognize you, they've watched 20 of your videos. You can then have a little laugh and a joke with them and build up rapport. But we learn that if people don't know, you've got to tell them exactly what they're going to get, how they're going to get it in the quickest way yeah, possible. What's in it for me? Because that is how human beings, and that's why people want to rent bikes in London rather than buy bikes. Yeah. So speaking of Boris Johnson, then I saw that you wrote a letter to him. And Did I you on the heading? Yeah, that, well, that was it. It's like attention grabbing. Only yeah. what was it? Only a stupid prime minister would ignore this letter. Yeah. So did you get a response? Mark, yeah, we got a response. Yeah, we actually got it a couple of days ago. Um, it was basically it was about twenty words saying thank you for your letter. The the, the comments have been carefully noted. <laughs> Brilliant. That's, <laughs> a mar that's a market lesson there, anyway, isn't it? Like your opening your opening line of your letter. Yeah, well, I wanted to, I, I was, I thought about it, like, it, that, that was the marketeer head in me, like, going, like, what, it needs a heading, yeah. like, the newspaper has a heading, um, before, and then I thought about the content, oh, I'm very passionate about, I, I'm, I'm actually angry about it, that the UK government holds business owners from taking that next step up. Yeah in every step at the moment compared to when I started out in 2007. There's so many more, what I call turnover taxes now yeah. for brick and mortar businesses. Um, and that's what's going to happen is everyone's going to say, right, we're not going to open a coffee shop anymore, which drives a community. We're yeah. not going to have, you know, um, people making things, doing things, which is still part of a great community. We're just going to have online businesses that are going to start base. They're going to work out how to not base themselves in the UK, yeah. and the UK government are going to miss out. That's um, what is happening, though, isn't it? It's like it's like faceless co but corporations done, taking over the high yeah, street and stuff. But what what they've done is they're speeding up the process by you know when I start we we had fifteen percent VAT under Gordon Brown. We're now at twenty percent VAT. You know. Most businesses, like, well, I, they go, well, you just put your prices up. We go, well, hang on a second. What if you've got a vending machine that's, you know, a yeah. pound, little kiddie ride? Like, you've just taken a little bit of margin from them because for them to change it all and make it one pound five P yeah. is just weird, you know? <laughs> um, you know, uh, and the pound shop didn't become the one pound five P shop, you know, yeah. or the one pound 10 shop. So there's, there's a seven point plan on stuff that, you know, reduce regulation, make it as cheap as impossible to employ people. Reduce VAT so that all the cash they make, they can then pay people more money with it. Yeah. Because it's the tax on employment, the 13% national insurance, the, you know, all these, you know, if they want to give more 
have bank holidays and stuff like that, then you've got to subsidise that in the PAYE that's paid yeah. over because not every business is like Google making millions and millions of pounds. And it's their inefficiency to tax those big companies yeah. in the right way. The pressure always comes on the... Uh, the well, on the SME. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, SME or working it class as well. It's like that's who's targeted... You know, yeah. Yeah. So I try and use my position like in making content to lobby government. I go and see a couple of MPs every year and they sort of, they understand. They're like, yeah, yeah James, we totally get this. Um, and then they, they use things like, oh, well, we couldn't reduce VAT. But, but, because, but, but, yeah. What has to happen to actually get change to happen then? You know, what, well, there's, 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 there's like business rates are another thing that is like killing people. You know, our business rates are ridiculous 65 grand a month to be paying business rates and um uh, two years ago i think it was it's gone up like sort of eighteen thousand a month compared to two years ago on the same site by site basis mm -hmm. just because the rate of values are going up yeah joe public don't understand this that you know and why would they because they have they don't pay business rates yeah. you know this is killing people you know yeah. and they're just thinking well i just closed now but we yeah so then you close and then what happens is you might have employed 50 people at that site now they're not earning money they're not paying Absolutely. tax then and some of the people that work in these community things this is what my message is to government some of these people don't want they don't want to be rocket scientists they don't want to be doctors and so government's answer to this is we want everyone to be highly skilled and yeah. highly paid not everyone wants a stressful highly skilled job yeah. some people just you know nan might want to earn so I want to work two, yeah. two days a week at this yeah, place even just one day a week just clock in, clock out. yeah and, and that's great for community and we can't just be all about them big 500 companies which we need we want yeah. there's got to be i sound like a socialist here and i'm not you know i'm definitely not but you know i do think that that you know our business provides you know jobs for people that don't want to work full-time as well as people that do want to work full-time not everyone wants to work full-time so not on politics then um who would you choose like a non-political person like could be a celebrity whatever to be our prime minister oh I think being a prime minister, you need to have personality. I think, I don't know what, you know, it should be about policy, but people vote on personality. Yeah. That's just a fact. Um, I don't know the answer to that. There's no right answer. Who would you choose, Mike? Uh, the Rock. The Rock? Yeah. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, Dwayne Johnson. He can do anything, can't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would want um, someone that's fair. But Imagine person. him in Brexit negotiations. Yeah. So after this chat, really, I think a lot of people would think it's hard work to be an entrepreneur. And I've said it's kind of a double-edged sword. It can give you the financial freedom to do other yeah. things, but but where does it end? Because you always want more. So how's this going to end? I think it is hard work. But if you learn some of the, you know, like invest in yourself, but I mean, you don't have to go to some, but books like books are great, podcasts are great, listening to this stuff, you know, in, you know, doing some education on yourself, which most people don't do, will make that. Basically, that gives you a sat-nav to get to the job. Most people don't know what their end looks like. And I think I've always wanted to build Party Man into a national brand and build brands that families love. And that's all. And whilst we keep doing that, we keep on improving, looking for the 1% improvements for our products and our services so our customers and our staff you know, feel 1% better all the time. It, it's, a tough, it's a tough gig being an entrepreneur, but I think the rewards are much better than most people ever understand when you get there but it's, this is a process of years decades can people wait that long for real super success you know and then yeah. and, and so for me where it ends is i'll just keep going until i drop down dead i think and I, I suppose that's because i love what i do and i love the people i work with i don't think i'll ever stop so this ends with death <laughs>